And welcome to Early Childhood Ireland's podcast. Our podcast features interviews and discussions on all issues relating to quality early learning and care with a range of speakers who are leaders in the areas that matter to Early Childhood Ireland members. I'm Maura Corbett and I work with Early Childhood Ireland and you're most welcome to this new series where we take a kind of deep dive into the area of equality, diversity and inclusion. Uh, my guest for this episode is Nicola Cullen, Nicola is the 2021 winner of the Early Childhood Ireland National Annual Awards Leader for Inclusion Award, which was sponsored by Link. Nicola is the owner and manager of uh, three settings, Beverton Preschool and Roots and Wings and the Roots and Wings Kindergarten, which is an outdoor preschool. And all three are based in Donabate in North Dublin. Nicola believes very strongly in the, the vital role of affordable, accessible and high quality childcare for all families. So, Nicola, thanks for joining us today. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Hi, Moira. How are you doing? Glad to, glad to be talking to you. Good. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about your, your settings, how they came to be set up and, uh, you know, the type of setting each each of them is? Please, yeah, Nicola. Sure. So um, I guess we started back in 2001, um, where um, at the time I had um, difficulty finding childcare for my own children. I was a self-employed um, mom, young mom, with two very small children and couldn't find um, childcare on the peninsula of uh, Dunabate, where I lived. Um, and I suppose that set me off then on a journey for the last 20, 20 years. Um I think at that point, uh, we looked, it was primarily just a preschool. I opened a preschool like so many uh, in my home um, and built onto the side side of my home. Started off with the, the IPPA, good old 10-week uh, introductory um, into childcare. And uh, that progressed over the years um, into uh, a level five. Then I did a level six and went on then to do a level seven. Um, took a break uh, after the level seven and did link for a year um, found the the link program amazing it, it was uh, I found it very inspiring particularly the um, leadership module and um, so that uh, then I suppose inspired me to go back and do uh, a level eight um, for leadership and management and um, so I, I did that and finished that in 2019. During that time, um, we had, as I said, Beverton opened in 2001 um, with 20, when I think of it back now, 20 children. Um, at the time, we would have opened for two and a half hours a day, four days a week. It was a, a, an absolute joy. You were on the floor with the children every every day. That was primarily what I did um, with maybe a bit of studying in the evenings and, and fitted it around our, our family life. Um, and, and that was the way it was for, for many years. Um, I suppose then in, uh, you know, as the ECCE came in and the regulations uh, strengthened um, around us, the need then to upskill became more apparent. And as I said, that's then when I started that journey of, um, I suppose, the, the educational part uh, of it. Um, then in... Um, Part of my degree, uh, the level seven degree, was that I had to take undertake some um, work experience outside of my own setting. As I said, 
I, I refer back a lot of the time to my own experience as a young mom looking for childcare, being wrapped with that guilt of leaving very young children into a setting. Um, and you need to know that it's quality, you know. You, you need to know that that uh, that when you're handing the most precious thing your child over, that 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 they're getting the best possible care in it. So that drove me then to look into full day care. And then in 2017, I opened um, a full day uh, setting. Um, so that, that changed things dramatically for me. Um, and then uh, obviously that's been the last five years have been the two services. Um, and an opportunity arose just last year um, in the middle of a pandemic uh, to uh, open a third service. And that was somebody that was retiring locally in a premises that had been there um, and I took that over and was able to bring in I suppose the love that uh, that I had formed um, I had a, a mentor a good Carol Duffy was my shelter mentor and um, back in 2015-16 when I did the shelter program and um, I had a, a huge passion for the outdoors from that point so that's where we then brought in our kindergarten and our third service. Uh, and Nicola, how many children do you have in the three settings? So in the three settings, we cater currently for about 160 children. Okay. So um, so Beverton is sessional and Beverton, the and wings are full daycare. Exactly. Uh, no, Beverton is sessional. Um, so we have all three. Beverton is sessional. We do a morning and afternoon session there. Um, the, our roots and wings creche, early years um, creche, is, um, that is obviously full day. Um, and then kindergarten is um, part time and then after school. OK, so okay. we have a, so, an array from two years. We cater from two up from, uh, two, so up. from two to, to 12. OK, OK. So very busy. Very and busy. The team, the team then would have grown from initially where there would have been three of us on the floor in 2002 um, to a team now of 25. OK, so. Um, so in all that business, Nicola, um, you were nominated and were the ultimate winner of the Leader for Inclusion Award. And uh, in your introduction, um, you you mentioned uh, about the, the leadership aspect of um, the courses you've done, mm -hmm. and particularly LINK yeah. um, being important to you. Um, so, you know, clearly it's a part of that uh, interest and passion in, in leadership relates to your inclusive practice. Um, why does that matter so much to you? What's, you know, what drives you in terms of inclusion? Well, I suppose firstly, just to just as well take a step back a little bit and explain uh, where, where a lot of this comes from, I suppose, is that uh, when you are a small sessional service with three of you there, um, the quality uh, is your you can have ownership of that quality, you know, um, but as you grow um, and the team grows. Uh, so the trust in all of the other team members has to grow as well. And there is a chance there that the quality can be diluted uh, slightly. You know, you have different um, team members coming in with different uh, experiences, uh, different levels of qualification um, and different beliefs um, and values as well. And um, so the most important thing for me is, is to have shared values and shared beliefs. 
um, and paramount to those shared values and, and beliefs is inclusion. And, and that's inclusion for everybody, for not just the children. I think people don't think of, of the team members um, when, when we talk about inclusion, but it's for everybody. And everybody. Having, that, ha- having that not just as, uh, as the philosophy, but as our culture mm. within the service. And I think that 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 thing about having the shared beliefs recognizes that everybody has something to bring to the table. And, you know, that diversity of experiences and backgrounds and beliefs can also enrich um, what's available to, to children as well. And having those discussions to develop that shared belief uh, can help exactly like you say that, you know, that uh, potential dilution of your influence but also the enrichment that other people can bring to it that's it and I suppose that's you know when we talk about collaborative practice um it's not just the collaboration with the children or with the parents that collaboration is is with the team you know and it's finding um finding a point where we're all comfortable where uh you know we we look at maybe you know distributed leadership or different leadership styles um you know and there are there are times for all of them i think we've you know the research shows us that there's no one set uh set style so it, that's the same as the philosophy that's the, the same way as we we approach every single day you know we have core values and core beliefs um but everything else we moves you know is tangible mm-hmm. it moves as as the day goes along and it's more likely to be implemented if it's shared. That, that's it. You know, that's it. if, think... if it's imposed from, um, you know, from one person, it can, um, you know, not be, it's lip service. That's Whereas, it. The, you know, the more shared that's and collaborative yeah. it is, the more yeah. likely it is to be implemented. And, you know, I think I think when we look at our curriculum philosophy and we look at uh, our practice, you know, a lot of those theories are the very same, whether they're for, as I said, whether they're for the team or for the children. It's the same approach when we when we include the children in everything in, you know, and give them ownership and give them a voice, then they are much more likely. We know that to 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 benefit more from it and, and to feel included. Absolutely, I agree so so strongly. So, um, so can you take us through, you know, some of the aspects of inclusive practice across the settings? Um, you know, I, I was looking at the the inclusion charter um, in preparation for our conversation today, and you know, covers things like anti bias, physical environment, engaging families, and so on. So. Have you some examples of how you implement inclusive practice uh, across your three settings, Nicola? Yeah, uh, I suppose um, at the core of it all is relationships. I think um, that's that's the starting point for us on everything. Um, that's forming the relationships with the families, um, and uh, as the first is the very first thing that that we try and do. I mean, that's before the family even starts in the service. Um, so that can be um, as simple as, um, you know, giving them loads of information, but also listening to them about their, their child as well and giving them the opportunity to share all of that information that is important to them. It can be as simple as asking a parent, you know, the meaning of the child's name or why they chose it. it it's just that starting point of building relationships uh, on that. Um, and from then, that that building that that trust and that collaboration up is really really important. We would that's something that's at the core of of all of our um, everyday really. 
um, from from the moment the child enters the service in the morning. Um, and it's obviously become more difficult during COVID when the parents couldn't um, enter the the building, you know, we would have children, particularly in the full day service, um, we would have children coming in. Um, so to, this year, this this last academic year, um, who who never didn't know our service pre-COVID, you know, um, so so they're trusting to hand their child over at the front door because they they haven't been in in into the service. So we've had to take a lot of measures um, to, to to build up that trust. We've been lucky, I think, with the EWSS and the different payment schemes prior to the EWSS to allow us to have additional staff um, and just simple tasks like allowing then the team member to spend time at the door outside to to build those relationships and form the trust. Um, Sometimes it's had to be where we've had to send more documentation home or we're taking more photographs during the day to share um, with the families. Small little strategies, but they they build on the relationship. Once the relationships are there more, I think everything else can be sorted out. Any other little issues or problems or challenges, you know, when you've built that collaboration, they they can be sorted then mutually between between because there's, there's that trust there. I always feel that with with relationships that things don't become an issue to the same extent if yes. there's an ongoing relationship because the niggles can be sorted in the everyday arrival and departure kind of chat, which, as you say, is more difficult now. But it's recognizing the importance of it. I've said on more than one occasion that yeah. if you value something, you'll find a way around it. And we've seen that throughout the pandemic, that people who valued relationship with parents found ways around the challenges thrown up by by COVID. That's um, it. Yeah, I think also then, you know, for what's really important for us, and again, we've had opportunities um, in COVID, um, intentionally or not intentionally, so through different closures or if the, if the team members are isolating, where we'll encourage CPD. Um, I think that um, being educated uh, and informed, um, not just, you know, about, primarily about our philosophy and our values and our beliefs, but that allows the educators then uh, to have a true understanding of inclusion, you know, um, and and then be able then to, to form, you know, better form the, the, the collaboration with the parents and the families and the other team members within within the room so that there's, uh, there's trust and uh, respect there and support. Um, within within that and that then enables once that becomes a culture in the setting I think it enables um, the team members then to support the children more so yeah absolutely it's um and that kind of comes back doesn't it to the shared belief bit yeah. again yeah. you know that that yeah. you know you keep working on that and keep um you know reflecting on you know how are we doing on this are we are we still um you know, being as inclusive as we as we want to be, or as yes. we as we could be, in terms of the physical environment and the materials and so on, Nicola, mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. in the environment, have you ideas and strategies on how to make the physical environment more inclusive in terms of not just the layout of of a building? Uh, but again, but I think the materials. It's about being educated and informed. Materials, yeah, but I think again, it's about um, being uh, informed and educated and understanding that each child uh, has and you will have individual needs. And I think if we have um, open ended materials, 
um, we're, we're very much sort of heading, you know, that sort of regio and um, natural uh, material. Um, we're, we're sort of going for that more so. So I think they they allow um, just in the in their very being, they allow for every child to be at their own level with it. We are our, our curriculum philosophy in all three services is the same um, and it is inquiry and interest uh, based. Um, so we take the child's lead in everything um, and very much follow their their lead. A huge amount of our time is spent outdoors and um, certainly in our full day setting. It's our goal every day to be outside for a minimum of three hours. Um, and in the, in the outdoor environment, we're very lucky where we live in North County, Dublin, um, in Dunabate. We have huge uh, natural resources all around us, forests and parks and beaches. So we use that uh, environment all the time. So for us, it's um, very much about, uh, you know, offering the environment, making sure that it is set up to allow children to independently uh, choose uh, their uh, tasks and, and, and providing us with opportunities is is what our goal is you know we don't have learning goals our goal is to provide the opportunities um we're, we're not looking for children to, to reach any particular uh stage at any time you know okay. so that we're very much understanding that every child will do it in their own pace and when you have a play-based uh curric- curriculum when when your philosophy is is an emergent play-based that allows in itself allows the children to work at their own pace mm. And, and um, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier about the relationships and the partnerships and even things like asking families the, the meaning of children's names and that, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. which is so respectful. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that always annoys me when I sometimes hear about a name that can be maybe unusual to us and yes. uh, that we would consider difficult to pronounce. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody decides yeah. on a nickname. It's such a, you know, yes. it's a, a names matter to to people. That's, yeah. That's how do you, um, if, if parents uh, don't have English as, as their first language, do you have access to translation services or would you have um, staff from other other different, countries different, who can support different with countries that? Who can, who can support with it? Um, uh, we haven't had too many parents because of where where our demographic is, so we don't tend to have too many. But all of those resources are there. I mean, I think now with with all of the things, the apps and and all of the different mm. um, supports we have from technology. Uh, are there and the as you said we had staff we all have I think uh, most settings now have access to staff the internet has all the posters and any of the things that are needed are very very easily translated if they're not there already Already. so I think that there is there is loads of options and there for everybody so for us when we have children in the rooms for example you know at Christmas when um, we would send home uh, it, it goes all the time but at Christmas particularly you know asking families um, what their traditions and cultures are um, and and that can be something as uh, you know uh, I might have had one of the the team members saying you know well, we've, we've only got Irish children in our class but that doesn't mean that that somebody's nana isn't from Cork or the Wren boys or you know that they have very local traditions and that they're really important to find out as well or whether you know uh, whether the the tradition in your house is that Santa leaves a stocking at the end of the bed or everybody waits on the stairs to come down in the morning together. You know, all of those are our family traditions and, and they're as important to us. Those small little things are important. 
so we're a big 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 lover of learning stories um in in all three settings as well again that goes back to carol's uh, carol duffy's influence on our shield to mentor and um, from years ago and um, but we're a big lover of learning stories and one of the things we've done now is is bringing the parents asking the parents to come in they come to our outdoor environment and meet with the key worker on a one-to-one with their child um, and they'll go through the learning journal journal um, and look at and, and just explaining a little bit the importance of it and, and how it can be used as a transitional tool between uh, the setting and home. And uh, with it, we found if we do it early enough in the year, we do it in about October, November. Um, and then the, the parents are much more on board with that. And that's a lovely then area for them to document all of those um different experiences and cultures in it and certainly there we have had one or two of our team members would have helped and translated some of the words for the parents um, and helped them to 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 write back to the to us and the children in the books. I think that recognizing a family tra- traditions is so important that there isn't you know um, just one Irish way of celebrating Christmas or Patrick's yeah. Day and yeah. it helps yeah. you stay away from the stereotypes then when you're recognizing yes. the individual um, uh, traditions and, and beliefs and mm-hmm. um, customs of, of families, regardless of, of, of where they come from. Because yeah. I think yeah. um, it, it's one of, you know, lately uh, with a couple of colleagues, we were talking about gender stereotyping and this thing of, you know, it being so hard to buy neutral baby clothes that they're mm-hmm. all kind of pink and sparkly or blue and strong men kind of yeah, attitude. Yeah, and yeah. really, there's so much work that we still have to do in terms of challenging some of those stereotypes mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, recognizing the individual beliefs of families can be a huge help with that. So, you know, it can seem like a very basic step, but it's a very important one in terms of um uh, addressing the, the needs uh, and beliefs of all families and, and, and children. So, Nicola, is there anything else you'd, I think, you you know, you've outlined some very kind of practical, um, easy to implement um, ways of supporting inclusion and diversity within within the setting. Is there anything else you'd like to no, I, I just I do think um, for anybody that hasn't done it, uh, I think quite a few at this stage have the uh, link program, I think, was super. It had some great ideas and great supports in it. Um, and I think that has um, opened up, um, uh, you know, another um, channel for uh, for teams and, and to come together and to learn from each other, I think is really, really important. But also that the support is there. You know, um, I think that's that's for the team, you know, mm. that there is uh, that there is support there for them. I think it's really important. And, it, it, you know, it's another learning community. It's broadening that uh, that group of peers um, in the wider sector who can support each other around mm. the areas um, uh, that are covered in, in, in the guidelines. So, Nicola, thanks a million for taking us taking us through that. And I, I think, as I say, it's it's just really good to see that there are simple things starting with relationships and that really if you get the relationships right, um, so much falls into, into place. So Nicola, thanks a million for taking the time to chat with me today. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please share the word and we look forward to your company the next time. Mm-hmm.